This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like, you feel like you've really gone somewhere far, and you don't need a passport, which, honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hi. Today we are talking about plastic surgery. This is a hot and controversial topic. Are people lying? Are they telling the truth? Has she had it? Has she not? How much work has she done? Going back to this picture that I posted a couple weeks ago that was, you know, this is me. You know, this is me in glasses. This is me just, you know, when I wake up. And it was liberating. And people were showing their hair frizzy and crazy. And it was not, I felt really good about it. And a lot of people were saying, oh, what about all the plastic surgery? And of course, you know, you've had all this stuff done and you've had a nose job. I have not had a nose job. I have had plastic surgery on my breasts twice. Once was when I was in my, I think, early 30s and still dating and single. And I had large but sort of saggy boobs. And I didn't want to have a scar, so I inserted implants because they told me that it would be like having a lift. In fact, it was just larger saggy boobies. So I was really uncomfortable with that. And then shortly thereafter, I had the implants taken out and just had a lift. So I'm counting that as like one, I'm counting that as one breast adjustment 
composed of two surgeries. So those are the two surgeries that I have had. And I and the truth is, when I get upset about people with all the filtering and all the, the fake lives and and pretending everything's perfect and then they contour their waist, et cetera, I just feel that that's not truthful and it makes people feel bad about themselves. Like a, someone like a Jane Fonda or when we knew that Demi Moore got the work, not that she said it, or even when Sonia from my show got a facelift, like, we're happy for her. She said it. She said it. We don't, if you look good and you're fucking 55 or 60 and you look young, it's not because you you ate placentas or because you drank water or used Pond's, you know, skincare or Ramona for, you know, she's going to, she's like death becomes her. She's going to be 95. She's going to be in the goddamn box saying, you know, it's just Ramona skincare. It's like the jig is up. So I'm just thinking people should be more honest because that's really empowering me to empowering to other women. I was talking to someone recently who's very well-known and attractive and a similar to, similar age to me. And they said to me, if you haven't thought about doing anything or haven't talked about doing anything, you're behind, you're late. I thought, what? Because I said to them, who's going to tell me? Like, is someone going to come up to me and knock on my door and be like, hi, just want to mention, you need to like work on your neck because it's going to be a problem or your eyes are sallow or I, I don't know. And, and everybody's had something different done. Like people, all the housewives have had that, that string thing. They put, I guess, a series of strings under your face and then like a marionette, it's supposed to pull it up. And then Dr. Sobel says that that's bullshit. A lot of the housewives have had mini lifts, which means they've done individual like a la carte menu tweaks, like someone has an eye thing or a neck thing or whatever, but just know that everyone's doing it. And so that's going to feel sucky if you don't have a lot of money and like it's an unfair, that's an unfair thing that people that are wealthier can do that shit. And that's why I think there's a lot of that anger on social media and why, why people are coming out to me saying, yeah, what about all this, all this plastic surgery? But I think if I was honest about it and I was like, I listen, I've worked hard and I wanted to do this because of this, you know, and maybe people will save up. And I guess in non-cosmopolitan New York overpriced cities, there are payment plans and lesser expensive options. But I just sort of want to talk about it because I feel like it's a taboo thing and I went to see a doctor the other day because my friend told me that I should, and it was an education. I actually went with Dorinda, who Dorinda shops this shit all the time. She hasn't done anything, by the way. She hasn't because she just is not a person that jumps. Like, she needs to do things really slowly. She doesn't break up with someone instantly. It needs to take her five years. I'm the opposite. I make a decision, I go. So when this person said to me, if you're turning 50 and you haven't even thought about this and you don't even understand this, then you're behind the eight ball. And I said, oh, my God. So I went to meet this doctor. With Dorinda, just to like here, I just wanted someone to say to me, like, you have bad, you know, eyeballs. I, you, your ears are, uh, you know, too short. I, I just wanted to like know objectively. He said to me that there's a little area like, which is true because of my grinding or something, there's a little area in that's like a little concave in my, in my, uh, next to my chin, like below my, my cheeks and next to my chin. And it made sense because he said your skin, the elasticity of, of younger person, that your skin is like, up more and that when we get older, it starts to just slowly like droop down. So that's why some women get those like extra skin by their 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 uh, jawline and chin. It's like a sagginess. It's literally just gravity. I know we all knew this, but it was just nice to hear him explain it to me. But he said I have hollow eyes. That may just be that I'm fucked or there may be something to do about it. But then Dorinda was the opposite of hollow eyes. She's like, she's got extra and I've got like, like a, like a between the brow bone and the actual eyelid, which I have good lids, by the way, that there's like an area in there, which is why, and they said it can look really dark, which is interesting because when I put, if I put on, if any makeup person ever puts dark in the crease, which is what people usually do, it looks bad on me. And I did not realize why. 
And the most important thing he said is you want to not come from behind in this thing. Like you don't want to be hit 55 or 60 and have to do so much more because then it's such a drastic change. You know how people look like you've taken one of those president masks and just pulled it and stretched it over their face? And he showed pictures of like 50-year-old women, even a 49-year-old woman that had done little things and it, it's made a difference. So then when you're older, you don't have to do, you do like a little more. You never have that drastic thing. So anyway, I'm thinking about doing it. And more importantly, I'm going to be honest about it. it you know, I'm going to wear a t-shirt. I'm going to get plastic surgery. And on the back, it's going to say, I just got plastic surgery because who gives a fuck? Am I, am I pretending to be 24? I am what I am. So if I post a picture with no makeup, I might say, hashtag, this is me, with two parentheses that say, with a little bit of tweak. So that's my rant today about plastic surgery. What do you guys think? Is it okay to lie? Is there an age that's too young to have work done? Uh, And do you get annoyed if people are pretending that that's really them and they've had plastic surgery, so you're sitting here buying creams thinking you're going to look that youthful when it's a bag of bullshit and these people have had work done and pretending it's products. I guess you know what I think. I think that's absolute bullshit. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag 
242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Ryan Murphy is a writer, producer, director. I love him. He is opinionated, confident, has depth and texture and emotionality. He's interesting. We are definitely friends. I am so thrilled that he is joining me for a real conversation that actually brings me to tears. Ryan Murphy has been responsible for some massive hits, including Glee, American Horror Story, and recently Ratchet on Netflix. You're going to love every minute of this. Hi. Hi, Bethany. Well, we know each other fairly well, but I have never really noticed until right now how sexy your voice is. (laughs) I sound a little Kathleen Turner in the mid-afternoon with my... Yeah, well, it's like 100 degrees here, and there's a lot of smoke and allergies in the air, so I think my voice is being affected. Yeah, well, it's very... So thank you for noticing. <laughs> I'm thank glad you. I noticed. <laughs> so I really, not until today when I was like, oh, it's game day, did I really think about all that you've done and how incredible of a contribution you've made to the world, and in particular, to the entertainment industry. That's funny you were saying that because I was upstairs thinking about my career, you know, because you want to be on top of your game when you talk to Bethany. And I realized, like, I don't ever think of any of that. I never think of what I've done. I'm always moving forward. I don't believe in nostalgia. You know, it's really, really, really hard for me to stop and celebrate anything. But, like, for example, this weekend, you know, Sarah Paulson and I have had this really big, satisfying hit with our new show, Ratchet. So I said, you know what? No, I'm going to force myself to celebrate this and to take a moment with Sarah. And we both got tested for COVID and Holly (laughs) Taylor got tested. And my husband got, so we had everybody get tested. We had a very small, intimate dinner party where we just talked about being in the moment. How do you feel? And what does it feel like to have done something that feels great? So that was a new experience for me. Well, you that's know, good. Sort of stop. And I think yeah. you should lean into that more. I do get that because you're still just you living in your own body. And, you know, later I want to get into with you why you do what you do, what really actually drives you. And because I understand that people always ask stupid questions like what's next or what's the big goal in your life? And some people yeah. just like to just take go to the next step it's just sort of what they do they're on the path and they're just putting one foot in front of the other so i guess no maybe now i'll get to that now ahead of myself why do you do whatever you do whatever you're doing now whatever you're doing yesterday or tomorrow why i have a really personal answer to that question which is that um and i don't really talk about it a lot because it's very emotional for me so i hope i don't have a moment with you but maybe i will But, you know, when I was growing up, when I came of age sexually, it was 1981. And 
it was right when AIDS began. So I went through as a gay man, the entire AIDS crisis in the eighties and onto the nineties, you know, from 81 until 96, when the cocktail came about Mm -hmm. and every day of my life, I thought, okay, well, this is it. I'm, I'm not going to make it. I, you know, at a very young age was attending many, many funerals. A lot of this I put into this television show I did called Glee, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a a running thing in that show. So I always felt that I was on borrowed time. Like I always felt that there was an expiration stamp on my ass. And I've been to many shrinks to talk about it. And it's almost like I'm, I'm still, I have that fear that it's all going to be taken away the next day. So it's very ingrained with my work ethic where I'm like, I get an opportunity to create You know, I had many, many, many years of no's until I got a yes. And once I got that yes, I just kept going back for the yes. And if they're going to keep saying yes, I'm going to keep doing it. So I felt kind of haunted and driven in my ambitions. And I had so many friends who were more talented than me, who were smarter than me, who died and did not get an opportunity. So I kind of do it in tribute, I guess, to to sort of, you know, I do tell a lot of gay stories, but my dream was always to tell them and make them fit into a mainstream box, not a niche box. And I think that I've successfully been able to do that. My jam now is like, okay, I'm at a certain age where the thing that I'm the most interested in doing is helping, you know, people who are young, who are in their late twenties and thirties, who think they don't have a way into the system. Just like I had no way into the system, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was hard for me. So all of that is kind of in the water. That's a long answer to your question, no, but I, I really it. feel like that's true about my life. Well, I'm sure that's relatable to different people in different circumstances. And it's funny because my daughter and I, during the pandemic, that's when we started watching Glee. I had never watched it. And it's the only musical show that I've ever, I don't always like musicals. I don't love people expressing themselves through, through song. This show, I, I, if anybody is listening, like to watch it over again, it's just so groundbreaking in every way, in every category, musically, sexually, you know, just anybody who ever gets bullied in high school or just who goes to mm-hmm. high school. Just, I can't believe what a, like a contribution and accomplishment that is. But most of what you do, I mean, it has some sort of socially conscious aspect to it. Is that what do you, are you driven? Like, cause everybody I'm driven by money in some ways and by you know, as you know, relief work in some ways. So mm-hmm. what, what percentage are you driven by doing something that's socially conscious or is it just something that's just what you know? Or is it also, can this be successful and be worldwide? Because I also want to make money. I mean, no shame in anyone's game. I just actually want to know like how your process is and how you decide which projects to do because you now can do anything you want. That was a big loaded question, but if you could answer any of it. <laughs> I honestly feel that the, the driving thing about uh, in my life is a little bit of a I'll show you thing, I guess, but it's the goal of my life. The goal of my career has always been to put something out into the world that I was desperate to get as a young person, but could not find. So when I was growing up, I knew I was gay from the moment I walked, you know, and I never saw gay people ever. You know, the only person I ever saw who I guess was like me was Paul Lind on the Hollywood squares, maybe. And I was very close to my grandmother. And once in a while we'd be watching like Macmillan and wife with rock Hudson. And she would say, well, you know, he's, he's a big old poof. And I would say, what really? Like, what do you mean? She would, she would call that from, I guess the national Enquirer or something, which she loved. 
But my goal was like, okay, when I got some power, even when I first started, my goal was to take the marginalized people who were the sidekicks and the butt of the jokes and make them the leads. That's always what I've tried to do. Is And that also goes for women over 40. It's not just about gay people. It's the people who have expiration, you know, are told you reach a certain age and you're done. That's always been my drive. And with every project, that's what I've sought to do is take the marginalized and make them the heroes of their own stories. So that, even for my very first thing that I sold, which is a show called Popular, they canceled it after two years because I would have massive fights with them where they would say things, well, you can't have a gay character unless they get cancer. And you can't have a cheerleader character wear a fur coat because that's too gay. Wow. And I would go to meetings with this executive who's no longer with us who would imitate my voice and make fun of me and basically call me a big old fag in the script meetings. And I was young and I just had to take it. And I just, something locked into me that just was like, okay, I want other people to not feel this way. And the other thing that I've always known, and you talk about Glee, you know, I had some great executives on that show. But for the most part, that was a Fox show. That was a Rupert Murdoch network. You know, it was conservative as you could get. There were a couple champions, but everybody kept saying, nobody's going to watch this. And I kept saying, they will watch it because they're so starved for somebody or something that looks like them, that shares their interests. If you look at that network, it was all like procedurals and cop shows and supernatural, you know, X-Files shows. And I'm like, no, if you do a show about young people who are interested in things that I was interested in, I think there's an audience for that. And I believe in that, this idea of the more specific you make something, the more universal it can become. And I, that's always been the thing that has driven me and, you know, and tried to change the system in the way that I could. What I find is interesting, if I compare you or think about any TV producer I can think about from back in the day, from David Milch or from J.J. Abrams or any person that I can just off the top of my head think of, people stick within their own lane. And I don't know that I can think of another television producer or movie producer or any producer that really runs the gamut of genres. I mean, crime, sci-fi, horror, Hollywood glamour, musical, high school, teen drama. You know what I mean? You really, mm -hmm. uh, murder. Like, that's what's amazing mm -hmm. that you have the courage to go into a totally new thing because usually people also pigeonhole you into, oh, we want you for that, but you know, that's not what you really do. Well, I was very aware of that from the very beginning. You know, like I, I was aware that I was going to be, you know, seen as sort of a gay creator or a gay artist and uh, somebody who only was interested in writing for gay people. That was apparent from my very beginning of my career, right? So I just like to challenge myself. And I think if you're always in the same lane, things get a little dingy and you kind of got to shake it up. Exactly. Did you think when you were a kid or when you were growing up or even in your 20s and 30s, did you think you had what it took to be successful? Like some people walk around and feel like they have that special thing. May not happen and they don't know until the end of the race, but did you feel that you had that special thing? You know, I did feel that I had that special thing and I'll tell you why. Because I was very close with my grandmother and she kind of raised me because I had a working mother and a working father. And my grandmother kind of realized my sexual orientation early before anyone else did. And while my father and other people in my family were trying to push me away from that, she was in private moments bringing me back to that mm -hmm. saying, no, no, here's a coloring book. Here's a Barbie. 
Let's go see a Barbara Streisand movie. Let's go see a Dracula movie. Let's, because you're very interested in big emotional theatrical things. And when I was around 11 o'clock, we were driving home from like the steak and shake or something. And she said, you know, I know that you feel bad that you're not like your brother or your cousins, but you know, that's because you're special and you have to remember that you were made special. So that landed with me. So I then became 12, 13, you know, I would never say I'm special out loud, but I sort of just realized, well, it's okay to not be like other people. Mm -hmm. So I would, um, I remember it so distinctly, like, you know, everybody else was wearing like eyes and, and, you know, the preppy handbook stuff. And I went out and I, I bought banana yellow platform boots from a vintage store so that I could look like David Bowie, you know, like <laughs> I, so I leaned into that because a woman said, it's okay to be that that's going to be the hardest thing from you, but everything great in your life will spring from that. And, uh, we, you and I came from a generation where, you know, parents didn't say, I love you so much. And they didn't shower children with praise or right. philosophies, but I had that. And the other thing I also had in spades was I just always had a natural anger. I always was someone who was very upset with injustice and very upset about things like that. So that kind of fueled me too. And when you make those two things meet, when you're an adult, um, there was that, you know, when I started working in Hollywood, I was in a writer's group with seven people. And they, like I said, they were all really talented and special. And I'm the only one who stayed with it. And that's because I was the only one who, who wasn't devastated when I got a no. Right. And I would always say to everybody, and I say this to young people, it only takes one yes to change your life. And you have to lean into the moment the yes is coming the yes is on its way. And I've always believed that even moments of really dark despair. And I guess that's a form of narcissism that's kind of kept me buoyed in the bobbing seas. But I believe in that. I think it's fuel. I think I, you and I are so similar. And I didn't realize until today that we're both Scorpios. I'm on November 4th. And that's not a surprise to me. I don't know if everybody believes in astrology. I don't even know <laughs> if I do. But Scorpios are very intense people. And the scary thing about me that I will share with you is I'm a triple Scorpio, which is really intense. Yeah, that's an intense. You must be amazing in bed. That's a very <laughs> sexual you side. Know, I am. I am Beth. I believe you. I, I really do believe you. That's an intense. You know, the fortune teller, who, whoever the people are who read it, read my sign, she gasped. <laughs> and she said, oh, my God. And I said, what's wrong? And she goes, you're a triple Scorpio. And I said, oh, what does that mean? And she said, you have the capacity for great good or great evil. <laughs> and, and that has always stayed with me. And I, and I can feel myself bouncing between the two, you know, how do you take no? That's very interesting because you know, it's in my contract that no is not an option, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I have created a world where, you know, I, I can kind of create what I want to create, you know, within budgetary restraints, I can green light many of my own things, if not all of them. And that was really exciting for like two weeks. And then I was like, well, what the hell? Like, I, do I want to go through the life with nobody saying, you shouldn't do that. And I'll tell you why mm -hmm. X. And so I decided I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy because you've seen many careers implode. And I have surrounded myself with people who tell me the hard truths and we have dialogues and that was important to me. And the other thing I wanted to do was surround myself with a lot of younger people because I feel like in success, mm -hmm. 
um, you know, I call myself now the leftover generation. Like there, you can feel the young people coming up and you can feel the people who are retired and you're in the middle of that two groups. Mm -hmm. And how do you survive? And the thing in business that a lot of people don't survive is because they don't listen to young people and get an infusion of youth. And so I have, um, built a company where everybody freely argues with me. Now, sometimes that will be intimidating. Mm -hmm. And there are things where I'm like, no, I, I have a gut instinct about this. And my gut instinct is usually, you know, pretty right. But if it comes back repeatedly, if more than two people say the same thing, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it and shake it down. And I was surprised that I did that because I thought my whole life, what I fought for was green light power. And then when I got it, I was kind of not interested. And I haven't even used it once at Netflix, for example, almost going on three years because I don't want to make something that the, the, the company doesn't believe in. Because if you push it through the system and they don't believe in it, guess what? They're not going to market it for you. They're not going to publicize it for you. They're not going to put their heart and soul into it. And that's what you need for products to click. The reason Ratchet became a worldwide phenomenon was because every person who worked on it, from the marketing to the publicity to the colorist, was like, I like this. Mm. I love this. I want to watch this. And I've done a couple of things where I was like, what do you think? And they're like, well, you know, it was fun. And then those are always the things that don't work. And I have many things in development, but I will only make something if I feel there's a collective yes exclamation point. And what you want is people to be excited about your product as you are. And if they're not, move on to the next thing because there's always something else coming down the pike that maybe everybody will be excited about. So that's what I do with my business. It's a great thing to say because I will be in the middle of being emphatic about something I'm saying and say, I disagree with myself. Like, cause somebody else will say <laughs> something else that, you know, I say like, forget it. I actually, I'm going the opposite direction. It happens all the time. I do like to ask different people because sometimes you're in the weeds and you can't see it. And you know what the takeaway here for me is know what you know and know what you don't know. Sometimes it's like a recipe. You put a couple ingredients from a bunch of different things in it and then you're like, okay, this is this is the answer. And then it really does come to you. So that's a great way to create. That's a great way to create. Yeah. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. 
So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. L-A-S-I-K lasik.com have a ton of questions about lasik you're not alone that's why we created lasik.com one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind like how much does lasik cost how long does recovery take how do i find a doctor if you've been thinking about lasik go to lasik.com now yeah lasik.com easy to remember so you know where to start l-a-s-i-k lasik.com So you're married, and I want to know, how does someone deal with you? How does someone relate relate with you? It's, it must be challenging. I wrote a book called I Suck at Relationships, so you don't have to. It's hard to be great mm-hmm. at, at business and relationship. So how do you navigate that? You know, I, it was hard for me. You know, I didn't settle down and get married until I was in my late 40s. I, had, I got married and had my first kid when I was 46. Mm-hmm. So, you know... I, I kissed a lot of frogs and, and the thing that I would struggle with was I would always be dating people who were also interested in being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So, and I had many relationships break up, like I would sell a script and then they would be mad at me because it amplified what they weren't getting in their life that they wanted. Wow. And I kept going back, back to the well and I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to date somebody in the business. I don't want to date somebody who does what I do. And, and I felt that I kept doing that. And finally I went through a really bad, a bad (laughs) stretch. You know, I went from a really bad dude to a confused bisexual and you know me, I'm very ambitious. So I'm like, well, I can change you, you know, Uh I can do this. And of course you can. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I I just, I love my friends. I love my life. I love my career. Um, I'm just going to be by myself. I don't care anymore. I don't want to navigate somebody else's problem with me. Like, and I could never figure it out. And even in high school, I had trouble with it, you know, because I do think in the world, particularly now in the social media age, every time your success is broadcast, somebody feels small from it. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize that it's not about you. It's not, it's about them. It's not about you. And that's a very hard lesson. So finally, I was friends with a guy for 10 years that I loved named David Miller. And he knew me, like I said, in the worst moments of my life, he was a friend for a really long time before I was successful. And I went to him and I said, Hey, I'm not going to date anymore. 
I'm done dating and you, you're kind of done dating too. So why don't we just have a kid together and be friends and like raise a family? Cause we both want a family, but we don't want a romance. And he was like, are you fucking kidding? I don't want that. No. <laughs> and he left the table and was outraged that I would even suggest it. And I was like, well, okay. Well, because he liked you, obviously. That's why he was well, outraged. We had always kind of flirted around, but we never wanted to go there. Right. And then 10 years later, <laughs> I was doing the Glee tour at Radio City and he was dating some twink and he called me up and he said, my 22 year old love interest is interested in a ticket to the Glee show. Can you get me one for him? I was like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. of course. Here we go. So here we go. So he showed up with, you know, the kid mm -hmm. and I was backstage, you know, Being I star. just finished. Yeah. You know, when I was wearing a Jill Sonder black, leather jacket that I could fit into because I had just returned from India with Julia Roberts and I had lost all this weight and I was chain smoking and, <laughs> and something. <laughs> so I looked particularly, chic, you know, chic in Hollywood and I was, fabulous. I was, I was flushed with something, right. you know, success. Got it. And then he saw me and I saw him and I was like, wow. And then he said, I think we should go out on a date. Yes. And I was like, okay. So we did. And then we went out on the date and then we were married a year later. And then we had Logan six months later. And, and the thing that works in our relationship is I call it like a highway is we're both headed to the same destination, but we're in our lane. And when we want to sort of merge into each other's lane, you know, uh, we do, but, but he's, he's very good with me. He also is interesting because he demands that, you know, our family life, our home life, all the decisions are equal. So, you know, we've gone through therapy about it and I've had to realize that. You're not the boss in that I, house. Yeah. Which is also a very good exercise mm -hmm. to have as a human being, because if you're just like, yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, you, you're, you calcify and it's over, right? Your partner. Uh, yeah. You, and I, so it's good for me and we have children and we raise them together and we don't always agree, but, um, you work it's the at first it. Time in, you work at we it. We do work at it. We work at it. And and it's the first relationship I ever had where I felt somebody was supportive of me and not jealous. And that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And that was hard. The thing about it is the people that I have on here, in particular you, are so outrageously busy and so powerful and important. And as I said, exceptional. And an hour for you, I know, is a lifetime. And I, I feel like we've been talking for 10 minutes. I mean, I I can't tell you how much I love it, how appreciative I really am. And just to tell everyone that I was being um, honored at a creative coalition, which is an important, um, like a charity in Hollywood, but that I was said, my publicist said to me, see if somebody wants, is there anybody that you'd want to introduce you? Now, everybody is so busy in Hollywood. It was Emmy's weekend. And mm -hmm. I just threw a Hail Mary pass and said, Ryan Murphy. I mean, I never imagined that you would say yes. And then you take the time out of your day and come to this long luncheon and introduce me. And it was just, it was so, it made me feel like I had, I was, had arrived and was somebody, but it made me so grateful because you took the time and just said yes. So thank you for just now and for then and for being you and for your contribution to entertainment and to young people who struggle and in every arena. And I think you should take a moment to think about how amazing you are and how, the contribution because I, I took a lot of moments today to think about that, about you. Well, thank you. Well, I have a rule in my company. I tell my assistant, Anything about Bethany is always a yes, oh. an immediate yes. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, when I was, you know, starting and I was working and, you know, you and I kind of started around the same time to get some success, but I, I was always so 
inspired by you and how it, I always felt like we were literally in the same track. Like we were starting, we were told no, and then we'd get a little success and then become a thing and it would grow. And I always, I just always thought you handled it with so much grace and humor and you were inspirational and you say things that make me um, think. And I think that you're important in the world and I've always loved who you are and what you represent. Oh my God, I'm so. crying. This is my first cry on the podcast. Thank you so much. I love but you, you. You know, you, you meant something to me in a way that I don't think I've ever expressed to you when I would watch you and I would see your struggle. Even something like when you were going through your divorce or your business struggles or people would tell you no. And, you know, I remember there was an episode where you were in a grocery store and you were trying to peddle your wares and you weren't getting a lot of action and it was upsetting to you. And I felt the exact same way that day when I watched you. And then you brushed yourself up, off and I'm like, you know what? I can too. So I thank you for all of the secret moments of inspiration that you've given me that you don't even know. Oh my God. Likewise. Thank you so much, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, this Ryan Murphy interview was, I just said today, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be one of the best ones we do. I had a feeling, I read about him, and I had so many natural curiosities about his journey. And he just, he just was amazing and so warm and so, um, so vulnerable and revealing. And you can understand now why his shows have been what they've been and why they've been so successful because you can just now understand that he really is in all of them which is such a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful thing for people who are building a brand because you need your breath your blood your soul your body has to be in whatever it is that you're doing and he could not be a better there could not be a better example of that than ryan but then i mean it's the first time i, I got teary about what he said about me i did not have any idea that ryan murphy was thinking about my trajectory you know, we're all just fighting for our lives, trying to trying to get somewhere and be somebody. And I'm loving it. I can't, I just can't say enough. Please rate, review, and subscribe. All this, it helps me and it keeps us doing this. Just Be is hosted and executive produced by me, Bethany Frankel, Be Real Productions, and Endeavor Content. Our managing producer is Samantha Allison, and our producer is Caroline Hamilton. Corey Preventure is our consulting producer with the ever-faithful Sarah Katanak as our assistant producer. Our development executive is Nayantara Roy. Just Be is a production of Endeavor Content and Spoke Media. This episode was mixed by Sam Baer. And to catch more moments from the show, follow us on Instagram at Just Be With Bethany. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. 
It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.